0: Atheist Nomads Episode 145, Interview with Tom Meacham on Secular Mental Health.
1: The podcast you're about to listen to includes cursing and talking about hoo haws Please be advised.
0: We are the Atheist Nomads, bringing you history, science, politics, religion, and interviews with leaders in the atheist community. Not all those who wander are lost. Welcome to another episode of Atheist Nomads. I am Dustin. Joining me as always is Wesley. Hello, everybody. Why is there porn on my walls?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just joking.
0: <laughs> or am
1: I? Yeah, if you have to ask, it's... Uh... Hmm.
0: Yeah. And assuming we don't have any uh, technical difficulties, this episode will also be available on YouTube, youtube.com slash atheist nomads, or at least go onto YouTube and search for atheist nomads. Uh, The episode should be there. Um, Before we introduce the guest, I do have a couple of things to bring up. First one is we have an app now. It has officially been released. It is available on iOS in the App Store and Android in the Google Play market. Yeah, so we got two apps. That's right. Fucking hey. And hey, a, uh, one of our, our listeners uh, reached out to us to see if we could talk about um, a, uh, the daughter the of a coworker started. of his. Yeah. Um, she has cancer in her eye. We're talking a very uh, young, like four or five year old girl with eye cancer. Um, the insurance isn't likely to cover much more or all that much of it. Um, so they do have a GoFundMe to, uh, try to raise $20,000. That is probably not going to be enough to actually cover the bills. So please help out if you can. Uh, the link will be at the sh- top of the show notes. Um, this little girl needs help and, you know, as, as I'm sure all of our listeners know, Uh, As the child of a a cancer survivor, that is a topic that is very uh, near and dear to my heart. And when it's a little kid with cancer, that's just, ah, fuck. So, yes, if you can help, please do. And, yes, um, if you read the description on GoFundMe, there is religious language involved. Uh, This isn't our listener's daughter, but it is one of his coworkers, and we are better than... Uh, holding somebody's the parents' belief against the child that is sick. Um, so yes, please, please do help. Uh, the, again, the link will be in the show notes, and we will bring this up again at the very end. And so now on to our guest. Even though really shouldn't have started off with a really somber topic like kids with cancer, um, but oh, our it's guest going to
1: go. <laughs> can get a lot depression <laughs> is not the curious topic
0: yes okay that's fair uh our our guest today is tom meacham he is a md psychiatrist and uh we're going to be talking about uh mental health issues so tom welcome to Atheist. atheists well thank you very much
1: happy to be here. yeah
0: i do remember that when we we met uh face to face when i was in tacoma that had a wonderful chat with you I don't remember all the details because I was completely shit <laughs> faced. <laughs> so those of you who watched that live recording, this would have been about six hours later and I'd probably had another 10 beers. Oh, God. Or yeah. more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that bartender was taking really good care of me.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. They do a good job down at Doyle's. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, moving on. Uh, so, uh, do you actually uh, treat uh, a fair amount of uh, secular or atheist patients? Or,
1: well, uh, <laughs> short answer, sure, sure. Uh, I, I don't have a, any kind of practice like that. I actually am, uh, work for a large organization, and, and uh, I treat anyone who comes in my door. If I'm right. they, they come in, sit down, I see them, and okay. so I get a little bit of all comers that way.
0: Yeah, uh, I. Do you recall what you mentioning? What organization that was? Don't you don't need to say that on yeah. on the show if you don't want
1: to? Yeah, they don't. They actually want to want to make it very clear that 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 I need to speak for myself, and I'm, I don't speak for the large organization I yes. work for. So, really, I rather not. So there's no
0: but misunderstanding. The, the clientele that, that you see are, are definitely people with uh, who need mental health services.
1: Oh yes, very yeah. much so. Lot <laughs> lots and lots of people depression, post traumatic stress disorder. Substance, well, the usual things you hear about, mental mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they're, they're, I don't... Uh, yeah, there's not a lot I don't see.
0: <laughs> All right. So, uh, why did you, you get into uh, being a psychiatrist?
1: Oh, wow. Um, now I get way back with that. started as a child, I think. No, realistically, uh, I had an uncle who was a psychiatrist, and... Um, you know, t- he was a, a good role model and, you know, and I was like in high school, suddenly the books would show up in, in the household and I'd pick them up and read them and go, that's kind of cool stuff, you know, and, <laughs> uh, uh, from there. And I followed my, one of my older brothers, uh, into med school, it just seemed like a path that lot, you know, that a lot of people in the family took and, uh, uh, it was a good fit.
0: Ah, very nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, my... I'm I'm way too klutzy to be a surgeon. Let's just right. get real here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was gonna
2: <laughs> I was gonna go with the question. Like, so you you followed in the in the talkers, but I'm guessing he followed uh-huh. in the cutter. He followed in the cutters.
1: Yeah, he was uh, right. my, my older brother. Yeah, no, he's he, yeah, he's something of a cutter. He, he's an interventional radiologist. So oh, he hmm. he yeah he sucks things out through straws. It's pretty impressive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, i'm just gonna leave that there
1: <laughs> it's it's a procedural field yeah
0: sure, sure. all right and uh, <laughs> do you have a, any kind of background with religion were you raised religious oh yeah
1: basically uh you know not not crazy religious i think you know my, my parents made sure i grew up in a exposed to it. in the, I was even confirmed in the Episcopal Church, but it was a very staid, you know, very Church of England-like uh, mm-hmm. organization. And and at some point, and I was certainly um, raised to be a critical thinker, so I don't know, at some point, I remember being a kid and really wanting to believe, really wanting to, and you're praying and this and that, and it's just like, after six or eight months of it going, this ain't doing nothing. There's no there there, you know, Mm -hmm. and and then I I go off and get a a scientific education. And at some point I turn around and go, well, that was interesting, but you know, let's get real here.
0: (laughs) Well, the whole Episcopal style though, it's, it's like, I've been to a couple of Episcopal services and even an Episcopal funeral. And it's very much going through the motions of the tradition
1: Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah, our our Episcopal priest was an old Air Force general. Aww. It was something yeah. to do with the missile program and nuclear weapons and whatever. And I think he got cancer and had a change of heart on all that. So his father Medeiros And uh uh Yeah, I mean it was just very straightforward. You know, mm-hmm. it was no nonsense. He didn't although I went back many years later, same church, and and I think it kinda of went from high church to low church in the in the meantime and 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 the preacher was talking like this, and it's like, uh oh, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> wow! Watch yeah, wow. it was like <laughs> it's <was> strange.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Okay, that's so, in, that was in Florida. Yeah, but kind of. I think it tra- it tracked with the uh, the born again, you know, stuff mm-hmm. happening d- d- during that era.
0: But yeah, going from Episcopal to uh, atheist, that's not a huge uh, jump.
1: No, not really. And, and truth be known, I have been known to join up with uh, Unitarian churches, but but ones that have a fair number of atheists, you know, mm-hmm. the ones where the, 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 the scientists like to hang out.
0: Oh, definitely. Well, uh, you wouldn't get any big uh, uh, judgment from us on that.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, why do Unitarians sing so badly, sing him so badly? They're reading ahead to see if they agree with the lyrics. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Right. If they you don't piss a Unitarian off, they'll burn a big wooden cross on your, pardon me, big wooden question mark on your lawn. <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah. my, my wife was, was that joke. Yeah, my wife yeah. was raised going uh, to the Unitarian right. church. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. uh, one thing that you definitely hear about from time to time is religion creeping up into the whole mental health, uh, topics like uh you know so-called counselors who have some kind of a a certificate from a bible college and not necessarily any real training uh right why is that really a thing
1: (laughs) well i the average (laughs) i'm sure all this varies from state to state because it's the states that regulate licensure and, and such and then there's pastoral counseling which blends into actual mental health and then you know you get you'll get pastoral counselors who in fact are licensed therapists social workers psychologists Hmm. um uh, and 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 (laughs) so it's kind of buyer beware out there when you go go to a therapist or even a psychiatrist um Ethically, they should be telling you what if they're doing that. I mean, you know, if that's what you're looking for and what you want, and it in fact is what a lot of people want, uh, it's all well and good. But that's what you really need to know. You ought to, you deserve to know that that's what you're that's what you're getting before you sign up. Yeah. Um. um and then I mean, it, yeah, it just it's like a a a matter of degree Uh, there there's the every every degree of how much religion do you want to put into it you know Mm -hmm. and now um going to medical school and medically what psychiatrists do and when when the psychiat psychiatrists are the they're the organization that comes up with this is how you make the diagnosis and um we used to be responsible for all the treatments and things, but that has over, over many decades, things have stratified, you know, we do the, the biological treatments more than Mm -hmm. the therapy. Um, uh, there are psychiatrists who still do psychotherapy, uh, but you should, you know, in general, you're probably not going to go to a psychiatrist in modern times with insurance companies and things and not walk out with some sort of prescription or likely to, or at least be evaluated for it. Um, in terms of, in terms of therapy, <sighs> boy, where do you start? Is it even scientific? It should be. There are scientific, <laughs> scientifically proven therapies. And mm-hmm. America, they tend to, you know, over time they, they, they aim for efficiency, you know, and it's driven by a lot of economics as well as the science. But uh, so they're, they're getting, they're getting efficient at reducing symptoms. Um, and they do look a lot different than they used to. Uh there i remember one psychiatry resident back in the day this is i was in training um in dayton ohio and he was doing studies showing that when people prayed for you even if you didn't know you were being prayed for you were most more likely to get better
0: oh wow i believe
1: yes and those got published and then they were later found to be fraudulent Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh go figure. At least some some just like it were. I didn't actually check to see what his name was. And
0: uh, <laughs> oh wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kinda you know it's it, not just it. There's there's a constant incursion, just like everywhere else, uh towards towards religion mm-hmm. in treatment. And uh, uh of course then you have the twelve step movement mm-hmm. which you know which has a lot of industry and government um, advocating, whether mm-hmm. they should or not, it's there, uh, and and the best I can tell, there is no 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 clear boundary between a twelve step the twelve step organizations and a church. I yeah, mean, uh, it, they just you look at it all. You know, they've got their commandments, they've got their twelve steps, they've got their their belief in God, they've got the oh pass the hat. It's all there, you know.
2: It it really feels kind of cultish to me, though.
1: Well, it, it can be, and some, in some more than others. I'm coming from the south. I'm I'm only recently to the uh, Pacific Northwest, and I'm coming from the south to where twelve step groups are. You know, they'll tell you you have to believe in Jesus, not just the God as you understand them, which is the official way, mm-hmm. but Jesus proper. And if you don't, you can't possibly be sober. Now, I I know some good atheist AA members who hang out there. Basically, so the other people coming in who may have some, um, uh, well, maybe atheists themselves can, you know, understand that not everyone thinks that way. And there are other people who do it, you know, without the, uh, the higher power aspect of it.
0: Uh, this is a big topic so that we haven't really covered as much as I kind of wish we have. So uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break and then uh, we'll be back and delve more into the whole recovery type thing atheist nomads is proudly brought to you by archway hosting check out their low price full featured hosting solutions at archwayhosting.com. that's a-r-c-h-w-a-y hosting.com
2: hey we're also brought to you by listeners just like you find out right how you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash atheist nomads that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash atheist nomads
0: okay so with the, the whole 12 step thing and the, 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 what it comes down to is just people trying to recover from issues like addictions and you definitely did bring up a really good point about how much religion creeps into it it's based on like what is it like four or five of the 12 steps require some kind of a, a at least pseudo religious element to it
1: so all right yeah
0: what are the actual you know is, is it actually effective would be i guess a good first question um
1: it's really hard to measure you have (laughs) immense (laughs) immense problems with selection bias of people who go to 12 step groups versus those who don't um you know the people who never show up there nobody knows how many that is how many people go once or twice and don't ever come back um uh and then you're measuring it how you know is it Mm -hmm. Is it you know, sobriety for how long? Um, if you have a few relapses, but you know keep coming back, is that effective? Uh, what would have happened had they not gone, and how do you measure that? Well, you don't. Not very easily. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 the, the amount of, of uh, resources to go into a study like that are just tremendous, tremendous. Um, suffice to say, anything... Um, Basically funded by the government, tends not to have it. The truth, thank goodness, tends not to have um, uh, a lot of religious aspect to it. So they don't even touch it. And that's where the big money is for big studies. But I
2: just took a a quick glance at
1: the... Lots of corridor stuff. Yes. and Only uh, only one of them has anything to do with alcohol, you'll notice. (laughs) Uh, Seven seven out of the 12 have uh,
2: direct reference to religion or God or uh, understand exactly. him.
1: Now, now, and then you, you look at what is, how does the religious part of this, now the, the according to 12-step sources, they say that, that they didn't even bring, religion wasn't much a part of it, well, depending, actually, as a precursor to 12-step to groups, that was the Oxford group, something a name like that. Uh, and it was more explicitly religious, but that, they tried doing it without religion and Carl Jung of all people said, Oh no, you must have some sort of spirituality in there. Hmm. And they took it they took it and you know, uh um uh friends of Bill, you know, the Bill took took it and ran with it, and um uh it, it ended up looking like this. Kind of a little bit of a sort of a fundamentalist feel to it. Uh just real American style spirituality. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that whether or not A if that story is apocryphal, it is widely shared. Um, and, and B, if it is really what Carl Jung intended, I just don't know. Yeah, But, you know, when you're dealing with things like religion, how much of it is, I mean, you talk about fellowship in religion, mm-hmm. fellowship is critically important in oh, yeah. staying sober if you're alcoholic. I mean, it's the people. I, I, I personally see folks who get, Involved in in the world of people and doing things and being a part of things is doing so much better than folks who stay home. Uh, it's observational. There are some. There are actually some animal studies um, on that, and I'm sure somebody's been doing human studies. I, I'm just not familiar with them.
0: So what what parts of it? Okay, let's go ahead and just move away from from that. But with trying to get through addiction, um, what are the things that that do? help what's the the actual path to to recovery
1: uh i do think well let me i i am going to go back to the 12 steps because oddly enough i think there are aspects of them that that you look at and you go wait a minute you know i've seen that somewhere before um it, it does encourage Fellowship to people giving together and making a difference in each other's lives and hang out and, and and I think it's the sponsorship thing where you can go call somebody, you know I got a problem, you know, and, and, and they they will call you back and help. I think those are 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 really critical. Um, heck, there's even even some of those steps bear an awful lot of resemblance. They're coming out an awful lot of resemblance to the. The total quality management, you know, Deming's um, uh, continuous improvement thing. So, you know, I look at myself. I, I, I take a, an inventory. I look, and then I, I try and get past that. And then I go take a look back at what I've done, and and and, it, and, it, and, and you know, and you keep doing it over and over again. Well, it's just quality improvement, um, mm-hmm. and, and and feedback loops, and and introspection. Um, one for whatever reason, and I don't know that I've ever heard a really good explanation for, for it. But I, it is so universal that that um, a huge proportion of people with addictions of all types have this really. Uh, if you've if you've been around a loved one who has it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The denial of it is. Incredible. I mean, just you can't believe yeah, how powerful that is. Oh, no, I'm not alcoholic, but it's and it's it's this real, um it's it's like this huge set of defenses go up all at once. It is when they say it's a knee jerk response, you know, doctors, the, the knee jerk response is you tap on somebody's knee and you get a little bit of, you know, the knee kicks a little bit, but if it kicks a whole lot, there's there's damage somewhere in the nervous system. The message ain't getting up to the higher, parts of the higher parts of the brain. Well, this is the same thing, except it's further up in the brain. You start, you start even breathing about, well, you know, maybe you should look at how much you're drinking. And it's just like, wham! Oh, no, 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 no. You know, you're full of it. And blah, blah, blah. And run out the door, you know, to go get a drink. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's amazing. It's also amazing you see people who um, hide alcohol. Yeah, when they're when they're drinking, and it's it's bizarre. I've run into people who hide alcohol when they're alone. It's almost like you know you see some strange you know behaviors, and you go, "Oh, look at that evolutionary adaptation." You know, yeah, (laughs) it seems seems like hey, this addiction thing is evolving in us. You know, it's like a mimetic um, parasite or something strange. Stephen you know, King uh, that- actually
2: talked about his alcoholism in one of his yeah. books, and he was saying that his wife accused him of uh, drinking the Listerine, uh, and he he, you know, indignantly said, "Of course I don't," and you know, he's thinking in his head, "I drink the Scope because it actually tastes good." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not listering. Yes, I, the, uh-huh, that's it. Wow, that's it. So the first thing you have to, a person with an addiction has to get past is that in, to not lie to themselves, mm-hmm. and that's, that is actually very tough because people will people will give up marriages and families sometimes before they can stop lying to themselves about it. Damn. Yeah. So if you and i tell you, you know, that's what the interventions are all about uh, for the 12 steppers. And quite frankly, this limit setting is what it's called in uh, mental health, um, where you're saying, you know, this is what's going on. I realize you don't agree, but this is what's going on. And no, I'm not going to treat you with uh, uh, Valium. That ain't going to happen. You know, where you, <laughs> you need to sober up, and that's the only thing. And if you don't, this is what's going to happen to you. And, and so that's it, 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 um, and until they can actually hear it. Nothing basic happens. Intervention. Yeah, it's like it. it it's just yeah. Uh trouble is, is, is uh, again, depending on how you define uh, success, um, interventions aren't particularly um, effective, or, or they're, they're, if they are, they're only briefly effective, or they're effective in in making somebody go get some sort of first step toward mm-hmm. you know. A doctor, a, a counselor, a twelve-step group, uh, and then they, you know, beyond that, probably not so effective. Relapse is the norm with with addictions, okay. unfortunately. Yeah. Now, here's the, the other thing: is is the for the vast majority of the people, where normal use, normal, you know, real people go out and get drunk. I've noticed. That doesn't mean they're addicts. Now, you talk to some doctors, and they will say, oh, absolutely, that's dysfunctional, blah, 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 blah. But when you go out and look and go, no, 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 no. The vast majority of the population will drink, sometimes to excess, and that's part of being sociable. It's part Mm -hmm. of dealing with people. It's damaging when it starts doing damage. Yeah. You know, let's get let's get real, and just like anything, you can be a little damaged or a lot of damage, and we all we all you know we're all damaged by life, and nobody's perfect. Um, uh, what we see as clinicians almost always are at the far end of the spectrum. You know, people things are really starting to go bad, or we we pick it up um, as an incidental to them coming in for something else. Oh, and how much do you drink? You know.
0: And how, how much of it would you say is really just people self-medicating actual uh, psychological and psychiatric disorders?
1: That's a part of it. Uh, uh, anxiety. Well, you know, when they say alcohol is a social lubricant, that's exactly what that is. Uh, you know, I don't think I, 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 I think we would uh, uh, be in severe danger of... Um, uh, the, the population dwindling if it weren't for alcohol, you know, cause nobody <laughs> would get laid. Um, yeah. Cause it, 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 you know, everyone's too nervous or most people are, you know, a few alpha mm-hmm. males might go out and, and get all the babes, but everyone else depends on, on some, some social lubricant to, to uh, make, you know, make the conversations happen. Right. You know at least until least till you get just life that's that's' that's, mm-hmm. that's what that's why clubbing is clubbing isn't it you know yeah. when you're young yeah <laughs> um now the question is can you turn it off later mm. and for many people, oh and it, there is a huge biological the 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 um, the family history you know if you're if your brother and father and grandfather and aunt on your mother's side you know or alcoholic you got to be real careful. And sometimes they're, they're, yeah, getting along in the world and and functioning socially and trying to be like everyone else. It, it isn't an easy answer, and you don't know. You can't read the. You know, you don't with no crystal ball. You can't tell if you're going to become a functioning alcoholic or not. Okay. Yeah. You know, until until you get there and go, oh, I can't stop this.
0: <laughs> That's a uh, uh, definitely a good point.
2: One of those spots where you just kind of have to like realize oh it's you know seven in the morning and i'm having my first drink because i need to recover from the night before
1: well right oh if i don't have that first drink at seven in the morning i'm going to be shaky all day long yeah that's a you're already into the realm of um it's doing uh damage to your nervous system it's
0: it's (laughs) yeah
1: it's yeah and and it quite it's real funny alcohol will affect different people some people just have their whole systems are just cast iron all the alcohol in the world doesn't seem to bother anything other people their livers give out first other people get seizures and shakes and things when they try and stop um pancreatitis you know you just get all kinds of weird different things um uh and and uh, uh unfortunately by the time that stuff starts happening it's you're pretty far along and it, it sure gets hard to stop drinking mm-hmm. At the, it becomes awfully necessary
0: Well, you, you brought up the, you know, people coming in and you say, you know, you, I can't just give you Valium. Don't even think that's going to happen. How long does it take when an alcoholic comes in? Say it's somebody who comes in because they know they're an alcoholic. How long does it take Mm -hmm. to figure out how much of the problem is the drinking and how much of it is the cause of the drinking, which to where you can start medicating? (laughs) Sometimes
1: you never quite figure out, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg. Um, uh, it, it does start to become it, – it, the problems co-evolve. So by the time it gets to the doctor's office, you've got a tangled knot. It's okay. It isn't so much how to get this way. It's how are we going to untie it? You know, the Gordian knot of, of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically uh, – you know, there are some questions that just you just say, well, we really don't know how to answer that, you know, as advanced as things are. Um, when people start describing their, you know, panic attacks when they were 16 and then they start drinking at 18 and went, whew, that's better, you know, you get a clear history of it. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, that's, mm, yeah. Uh, uh, but then you got to convince them that to, to, to avoid things that, cause withdrawal symptoms and try and go with, with treatments that don't cause immediate relief, but very slow and gradual relief. Mm. You know, the, 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 uh, one of the the classes of medicines that, um, vie for the most popularly prescribed medicines in the country are the antidepressants. You know, they're right up there with the blood pressure medicines and the cholesterol medicines mm-hmm. and stomach medicines. Uh, but people, you know, people, tend to talk about that a little less than maybe, you know, what they're doing for their, for their heartburn. Um, So you don't hear about it, but those things are incredibly commonly prescribed. Uh, And just incredibly
2: embarrassed about having a mental problem that, that that need help.
1: Oh yes. Oh yes. Um, And well, yeah, Of any, it, 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 at least historically um, can cause people more, social damage to have that get up than a lot of the physical problems you might end up being diagnosed with. So people do it, historically have kept it quieter. And uh, mental health records are a little more protected. It's the most private and intimate things that, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's right up there with uh, some of the, the, uh, the OBGYN things. You just don't, you know, you mm-hmm. don't talk about flat company. Uh, but incredibly <laughs> common. Yeah. All these things. It was just get away from the alcoholism, which by the way, things like alcoholism, drug addiction, the the person who's going to at some point, you know, not just drink to excess here and there, but to seriously have to confront how am I gonna stop this? That may be uh roughly ten percent of the population. Oh wow. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point in their life will have to do that, you know. Hey, you look half half and three quarters of the population go out and have a good time on Friday night, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. They just just try not to get a DUI when they come home. Uh, 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 to hear, I don't know, the establishment medical institutions, and they give their pronouncements. It's oh no, you are drinking too much. If they've redefined getting drunk as a binge, you know, five five ounces of liquor is binge drinking. It's like. No, that's getting a buzz on. You know, when did this yeah. happen? it, it is. That's <laughs> it's it just <laughs> wow. so I I I have a little problem with that part of the establishment that likes to over pathologize things. Um oh, definitely. but uh yeah, you can't because you're not doing you're not actually doing anyone any favors by over pathologizing this. Uh neither neither the people who well on either side of it, you know. Um because everyone goes, oh, that's crap. Because you know? <laughs> yeah. it is. But, but, but the, the folks with the problem. Now, uh, it, it, when you start looking at other illnesses, if if the substances are maybe 10%, oh, you start talking anxiety disorders and mood disorders, which often come together. You know, I mean, you, you see <laughs> it's really common, you know, like 40% our, of everyone. Let's take our second point. break
0: and then we will uh, jump back into jump in on those that is another huge topic. <laughs> we love hearing from our listeners. You can email us at contact at atheistnomads.com, tweet us at atheistnomads. send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash or better yet, call us and leave us a message at 541-203-0666. We might even play it on the show. You can also help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast directory of choice. Okay, so... Anxiety and depression, you said, okay, yeah. so you said addiction's about 10% of the population.
1: Yep, yep, yep.
0: Anxiety and depression, you said
1: 40%? When you start adding it all up, yeah. You know, over the course, of, at some point in your life where it, it becomes a real significant problem, you know, it starts interfering with things, yeah. I mean, everyone gets a little anxious or a little moody mm-hmm. here and there, but when it becomes, like, it starts hanging on a life of its own, it really starts interfering, you know, it affects What you can become and what you can do, Um, uh, yeah, it's common, and it's I. uh, uh, The reasons behind that, well, in in psychiatry, we have a model where you talk about it's a combination, and it's it's a a a lot of moving parts: the biological, the psychological, meaning you know what you grew up with, you know, were you abused growing Mm -hmm. up? Did your mother love you? Kind of thing, and the social. Uh, so, uh, you know, did you, did your boss yell at you or did you just get fired or you worried that something bad's going to happen? Um, and we all have our stresses. we got to deal with it, 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 it to one point or another. Uh, and those things start pinging off each other and, you know, you start having a, oh, like the great recession in 2008 an awful lot of people are coming in awfully depressed. And, and, well, many people I was talking to were looking at homelessness. Uh, yeah. So it all, it, all, it all blends in together. And um, I'm thinking there are a few times in your life where it gets real obvious, you know, major transitions that people go through, you know, uh, late high school, early college when you have to make your way. You know or, or have to make your way in the world in general um, and, and you know find a mate um, settle down figure out what you're gonna do huge amounts of depression and anxiety then um, transitions into retirement also and that's these are the times you see suicide rates go up a lot
2: so um, not just around Christmas time
1: not just around Christmas time and of course around Christmas time you're adding the the, um, the uh, What's the pardon me yeah seasonal affective disorder aspect it's dark all the time <laughs> there are actually some you know when you the first light of dawn let's talk evolution here um when the when bright light first hits your eyes in the morning, it sets off a huge cascade that it's starting in in deep in your brain, setting up dopamine. So your pituitary pituitary starts putting out things to stimulate your adrenal glands and all the other stuff going on in your system and actually make stuff the melanocyte stimulating hormones. So you can, so you can tan when you get out in the sun and not burn. I mean, all these weird, weird hormonal cascades, you know, and when that starts getting blunted, because it's dark, uh, people get more depressed. It's interesting stuff. Mm. So, so yeah, some people when they get uh, wintertime blues, you know, around Christmas time, oddly enough, shorter days of the year, uh, real bright lights um, first thing in the morning. It, it's really important that it's um, um, like an alarm, you know. Get under them for 20, 30 minutes and and uh, it, can help.
0: it hmm. can help. Now, okay, so with it being so common, uh, if... Now, with, with 40% of the population, you're saying that is for at least having had Periods of like a, a depressive episode mm-hmm. as opposed to lifelong clinical depression or anxiety
1: well, that would include the lifelong stuff too, so at right. least at least have to yeah the 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 more severe things or the lingering lingering things are less than forty percent
0: okay because i I work in in uh, IT, but i t but i it's for a medical laboratory, and uh, one thing that frequently happens in labs is reevaluating what normal is. Exactly. <laughs> because you have to look at the data and your uh-huh. normal ranges. It might go up or it might go down just based on what numbers you're seeing.
1: Right, exactly, exactly. The
0: scary you know, thing if, is, if, normal might not be healthy.
1: <laughs> would you? Would you please tell the people who do the complete blood counts that folks don't have as high a hematocrit as they used to? Everyone's walking in anemic. It's like you're not anemic. <laughs> not everyone is anemic. Come on, <laughs> something's <laughs> happened to the norm. They haven't changed them lately. Yeah,
0: <laughs> oh, man, I think our range is for women. Uh, the low end is thirty four, and on men. Uh, 39
1: yeah yeah and everyone hangs out around there i mean just yeah it's like oh come on you know not everyone's working on the farm all day and needs to you know needs to have that hemoglobin going we're sitting in offices we don't need to pump that much iron around our systems
0: well and Uh, realistically anything over 42 all that tells you is that you're you're dehydrated
1: yeah yeah or, well, there are a couple right. things, but that's that's getting pretty technical. I, yeah, uh, that was my—I had to rant about that. Sorry,
0: about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, all right. So, for just the the situational uh, type, when somebody has a, a, a depressive episode or a a, yeah, a the- period of heightened anxiety, what are some some ways to deal with that to keep it from becoming actually problematic?
1: Okay, well, of course I'm gonna you know see your doctor <laughs> I can't help that um it depends on if it you know there 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 are the garden variety oh your girlfriend your boyfriend dumped you you know, and that's just time that's just you know mm-hmm. obviously the first thing you you can do is 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 and this is what people naturally do is they go find good friends and confide in them or you know hang out um, and, you know people gather around and support each other in those circumstances um, uh, and, and folks get through it but um for you're kind of defining. You're saying this is on the more normal end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is all the things now. Now we're talking. These are all the things that they they tell you to do on on Oprah and that your mother told you to do when you were growing up. And you know, go out and get exercise and, and get out there. Other you know, they're uh, more efficient to see. Work harder, overcome overcome the obstacles. And um, in fact, that that is totally normal to a point, and after which. If you're starting to get into now the sort of things, you actually will go to a psychiatrist to to see, or even your family practitioner. It's getting bad enough. You really are going. I need to. I need to get some help here. Um, telling somebody to overcome it. You know, uh, you, th- this will pass. Is is can be damaging. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's the like worst the worst
2: in the a person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, major depression is no longer. You know your girlfriend dumped you, and and this will pass. It is it is an illness, uh, and and it, we have the illusion of free will. Um, mm-hmm. I wish it were. I wish we had more actual free will. There's the addiction thing, and then you look at how depression lies to you, and uh, you know there's no reason you can't you know uh, yeah. get up and do all the things you need to do, except you simply cannot. You know, and everyone goes, Well, why are you just lying there? Well, he's depressed. He's ill. Something is wrong with the machinery. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, when, it get, like- when it gets like that, that's when you go to the doctor. You get there are psychotherapies. Uh, psychotherapy really, really works. In fact, mm-hmm. if anything, if anything is more likely to be a, a cure, a cure meaning you do something or or take a treatment for a, 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 a d- uh, distinct period of time you stop the treatment and you never have the problem again, the psychotherapy is much more likely to get you where you want to get as a cure than the medicines. The medicines, you know, they provide symptomatic relief. You know, you take, while you take the medicines, they're going to do what they do. But you stop them, whatever's underneath there is may come right back.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and it's like with, with Lauren uh, her with her depression when something's wrong, telling her, I just got to deal with it. Isn't going to help because it's, in her case medical yeah, uh, yeah. telling her uh, you know it's time to give your doctor a call that actually can help
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh, yeah, Ooh. yeah the, the, the it it really because you take somebody who's grappling with these can be profound feelings of hopelessness and you say you know overcome it." It's not going to help. <laughs> it mm-hmm. makes the feelings of hopelessness worse on average, uh, and 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 or it makes them hurt and angry and and it, it, it no, it, it's not constructive. It
2: too, I mean, like why can't I get over this? I'm, I must be defective.
1: Yes, that's one of the now. When you when you talk depression, there are some real characteristic symptoms they're actually kind of physical symptoms but they they we call them neurovegetative um and one of them is pathological guilt you know i i you know there's something horribly wrong with me i can't do this stuff i can't you know get up and over the hump and make things happen and it's it's my fault i'm not doing the stuff i need to uh and some of them are more clearly physical insomnia problems, so there's trouble getting to sleep or as often the case, waking up early in the morning and just can't go back to sleep, you know.
0: Mm.
1: Feeling like they're feeling terrible. Um Are you appetite saying- changes. Some of
2: those uh, overachievers that like wake up so early in the morning might actually be depressed?
1: No. Oh, well, no, not all waking up early is depression. Not all, mm-hmm. it's not all vegetative symptoms. Matter of fact, heck, there's there, uh, that can be totally normal. It can even be the opposite of mania, which is like there's depression, there's normal, and then there's mania, which is which is no need to sleep, you know. I'm doing great. I've got lots of energy. No, it's an illness, but it's not depression. (laughs) So, yeah, no, you can have all kinds of reasons not to sleep. One of them can be depression. Um, Appetite changes. You can have all kinds of reasons to have an increased or decreased appetite. One of those reasons is depression. Uh, Inability to concentrate. Probably the first thing they taught us in medical school is when a patient walks in your door and says, you know, he's he's talking to – I think he was talking to future primary care doctors, you know, when your patient walks in the door and says, doc, I have Alzheimer's, you know, I can't concentrate at all. They probably do not have Alzheimer's. Um, <laughs> it, 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 Depression is even called pseudo dementia of depression. It looks a little like Alzheimer's, you know, they're just scattered, scattered, scattered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, it's depression. Treat the depression. It tends to get better. Wow. Yeah. Uh, of course the low energy depressed people just can't get moving. Uh, in severe depression, now mind you, not everyone with depression gets all of these things, but it is kind of a it's a Chinese menu, you know, five of nine, and you you, you have you know what what we doctors call depression, um, um, a lack of ability to feel pleasure in things. Is it one hundred percent profound and total? Usually not. Uh, if it, if it's a hundred percent profound and total, the person might need to be hospitalized because things are going badly quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, this, these things happen often enough, and it can be set off by something, you know, by a stressor, uh, or come out of the blue. You see, God, when it comes out of the blue, a lot of time, you know, you have family members, oh yeah, a lot of family members have this problem, saying, okay. And then other people, it, it takes more and more of a stressor to bring these things on, but at some point, these, it just it, people fall into a state where it takes on a life of its own. You know, It's, it's it, it, you name that demon, you know, if you start seeing these things it's like, yeah, major depression.
0: Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So at what point would you say somebody who has never gotten treatment before, at what point should they get help and... What should be the first stop Or who should be the first stop?
1: I would, if, if you think you need help, that's a good idea. And if somebody else thinks you need help, who knows you well, it, it's a good idea. Uh, and realistically, you, you go in whatever path works easiest for you. Probably the most common way to do it is actually through your family, family doctor, um, that is that is one of their jobs is to is get things started with treatment um and some of them are even trained in a little bit of psychotherapy and you know uh and then, and then they they will typically they may bring you back they may manage it all themselves as marked a lot of of the more garden variety common things uh they do And in fact, you know, by the time he gets to a psychiatrist, you know, we don't get the easy cases because the family doctors are all (laughs) are all all helping those people.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, uh, uh, a GP can also find out if it's something very simple and medical like uh, a hypoactive thyroid. Or...
1: exactly exactly that 's one of that 's a standard workup you check the thyroid mm-hmm. a couple of now not every vitamin level if you've got a problem with it will lead to depression, but if your b twelve level or folate level i mean the first symptom of those problems is uh is depression, you know and then you start getting profound physical problems but i I pick that stuff up all the time because you 're coming in depressed. It's kind of, it's actually kind of nice. Somebody's seriously ill, seriously depressed, has to be hospitalized, worried about, you know, thinking suicide, things like that. And, oh, you have a low B12. You, you fix that and they go tap dancing out. It's like, yay. <laughs> that was easy, you know. <laughs> Cause, yeah, so it can be, you know, or, or thyroid. Of course, thyroid, low thyroid, people slow down and get depressed. High thyroid, they're climbing up the walls anxious, you know, and sometimes out of touch with reality if, if it gets real bad. And, mm-hmm. Just often, like a, of
0: course is another big one that can do that
1: yeah 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 well, it's a little controversial and it, it will probably yeah. always be a little controversial, but yes um the, uh clearly clearly the the um uh sex hormones for men and women affect women mm-hmm. a lot you know it, obviously when women start complaining of the pre menstrual uh dysphoria, um p m s um
2: so those are, those guy, are the
1: hormonal fluxes that are probably going on there.
2: So, if you got a guy that's taking a lot of Rogaine, you might want to, and he's having depressive symptoms, you might want to ask him to get off of that for a while.
1: The minoxidil, yeah, oh, sorry. I'd have yeah. to, I'd have to look up the. Yeah, I'm sorry, Rogaine being that's a hair treatment that actually the the, the for these days for hair that you rub it into your scalp and it helps grow it. I, you you know started off as a blood pressure medicine. People take it and they get hairy all over, you know,
2: huh. um, well, I believe that's the same for uh, the little blue pill, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. They were investigating it for mm-hmm. blood pressure, you know, and then discovered a, a, a an interesting yeah, side okay. effect. Yeah, oh, <laughs> there's so
0: many awesome off-label uses that eventually get approved and make mm-hmm. millions or billions
1: Exactly, exactly. In, in fact, but once it is in generic, like like there are some things that that we're in, in mental health we work with um, that were discovered on a medicine that's went generic many years before. Nobody's going to pay the FDA the amount of money it takes to 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 get it officially approved for off label. But then, but heck, half of what the psychiatrists use these days are off-label for a lot of a lot of stuff that started off as as uh, blood pressure medicines and thyroid and things like that
0: yeah hmm. <laughs> awesome <laughs> uh, i i i personally love the the off-label stuff uh especially when you start looking into how is that working and when there's a really mm-hmm. good uh methodological explanation for it then it's just oh that's just it's so cool <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Uh, One of my my favorite examples of that is IVIG getting used to treat uh, autoimmune disorders. It was created to help boost people's immune systems who can't produce antibodies. Well, it Mm -hmm. also works that if your body produces bad antibodies against yourself, autoantibodies, that by pumping your body full of somebody else's antibodies, it shuts down your own antibody production, and then you don't have autoantibodies anymore. (laughs) And it's just Awesome.
1: Yes. Love when a plan comes together like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, Hannibal.
2: (laughs) If you like this show, consider giving us some financial support to make it really easy with one time donations or to support us on a per episode, monthly, or even annual basis using PayPal or Patreon. Find out more at atheistnomads.com. Use the links on the right side of the page. $1 $1 an episode is all we ask. Please, think of the kittens. I really wanted to know about uh, atheists and, and depression. Uh, how 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 do their numbers compare, do you think, versus religious people? Do you think that atheists are more likely to be depressed, or is it about the same that you've heard?
1: Or... <clears throat> I think that, I w- okay, first, I don't know for a fact the answer to that question. Okay. That won't stop me from pontificating on it. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Uh, I I really think we are no more likely to get depressed than other people in our demographic. I mean, you, you, if you, if you really look at it, atheists on average or, or on average, obviously not everyone, (laughs) uh, you know, more white collar, uh, academic, um, uh, uh, and, and probably fairly uniformly, you know, some of this higher IQ. Um, uh, well, I under, understand we're talking trends here, mm-hmm. but I think it, it, it tracked more of those demographics.
0: Education it, and religiosity have a inverse correlation. I've I always guess. heard that yeah. the dumber the person, the happier they are.
2: And Republicans are sure dumb.
1: <laughs> well we have we we have to think about the problems in realistic ways and try and you know um there is something to be said for uh denial blues. Yes, denial is a as a defense mechanism, it works. Yeah. <laughs> well so it, it, so the, those of us who are really thinking about you know looking at the world as it is actually happening, um, yeah, it's. I think. I think a, a key to happiness is to deal with the world as it is, but you know, to a point, uh, dealing with the world as it is not um, can can be pretty groovy too. Right up until it slaps you in the face, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and, a and those of us who are in the reality based communities are trying to prevent it from slapping you in the
0: face. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, and a couple of big benefits bringing up things that you've already mentioned that uh, religious people have, especially those who are active in their religion is you have a community, people you are regularly meeting with. You have a, a social safety net um, right there with that. And even if they forsake you, you still have your imaginary friend. Yes. So you're yes. never alone.
1: That That is true. That is true. I'm... Um, where things become... Existential thinking, you know, uh, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre and things. It, it sure sounds pretty depressing, but I, I, I don't know. I think I think we can look at, at things and go, well, yeah, we may not, you know, everyone knows we're going to die and everything, but heck, this is a pretty good ride. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Oh, definitely. Uh, I, I definitely think that that uh, atheists have a lot of uh, definite advantages there. Uh, areas like that uh,
2: it's, it's always surprised me how much uh, religious people cry
0: at funerals versus atheists or at least the
2: ones that I've seen uh, religious people are just losing their shit and I, I think they they somewhere in the back of their mind they, they know that the shit's false but that's just me.
1: yeah they have to defend against it too the, the you know the, the people who are, are proclaiming God the loudest Mm-hmm. They have the most doubts.
0: Well, it's I, like
1: when, when you see all the, the, the um, uh, anti-homosexual legislators who get caught, you know, in scandals. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it's, yeah, they're, it, it, again, it goes with the denial and that strange knee-jerk response to things. It's like, whoa, that's not normal. That's that's There's something cut off there. The frontal lobes.
0: Well, and I've also found, observing it with my own family, is that... Uh, the, the same thing with those of us who aren't religious, and especially atheists, uh, grieve faster. And it's hard to be in denial yeah. if the person is dead uh, and you have a, a reality-based worldview and there is no one to bargain with. And if you cut out those two steps... Yeah,
1: that's true. Now, now, now to, I'm, I'm trying to, try to think of, of the... So there's some complexities you can add in there. It's not. It's not... When things are otherwise, all else being equal, I totally agree with you. Now, if you actually have a biological predisposition predispos- to depression, uh, you know, that might be different. But, but mm-hmm. for otherwise, you know, all the equipment working right. and uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I think it's pretty groovy being atheist. You know, I just, I just don't like um, uh, superstition mm-hmm. organized or otherwise.
0: Yeah. And okay, not to get keep it on the, the morbid area, but like when somebody dies, I find it almost poetic if it's somebody who's lived a good life and they have a final the yes. end as opposed to a to be continued at the end.
2: Most most of them. There are uh-huh. movies that uh-huh. do not need a sequel. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that the whole thing that this is just a trial run and you know that that just upsets me to no end.
1: Well, it is a trial run, but it's somebody else who gets to do the next run. You know, <laughs> it's not. You know, uh, <laughs>
2: you know. This, the, yeah, this, this life that we have is is so final, so far as I can tell. And I'm going to make the best out of it. And you know, when somebody's like, "Oh, you know, I'm going to ride to heaven on a horse with wings, and then you know, have my life eternal with God," I'm like, really how much more stuff could you do or, or live a better life if you just lived in the moment a little bit?
1: Yeah. You know, there's a, uh, it, well, among psychotherapists, it's a truism. Uh, You're talking about the grieving process and whether it goes smoothly or is rough and prolonged and difficult. Um, mm. People who have a lot of, Oh, say anger, had a loved one, a spouse, a parent or something like that versus somebody who had a real good relationship. You know, when, when, when the other person dies, which person do you think is going to have an easier time of it? The one that loved them. Yeah. The one that had a great relationship tend to have a much easier uh, grieving process. The yeah, folks, I had there's a, I had a, a lot of anger. Yes. Yeah.
2: I had a shit grieving period with my mom. So yeah, you can tell which one I was oh dear yeah yep yep i I still have issues and she died in oh seven
0: yeah yeah with my nephew i when uh the last time i spoke with him uh was not a very good conversation and i believe i yelled at him last time i saw him i yelled at him and then uh had to say um no when he called me several months later. I reached acceptance that he had died, but yeah, there was still a lot of guilt there for quite a while. Whereas it would have been a lot easier if everything had been good.
1: Right. You know, and for something that is invisible, it sure does make a difference. I mean, that kind of stress, you know, you don't see it. There's no, there's no, nothing you can tap on and go, yeah, that's, that's real. It's just the conversation you had, right? You know, it, it makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah. And you can't make things right when somebody's dead. Yeah.
1: Mm. All right. Well, 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 that led to a moment of silence.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> editing. <laughs>
2: Man. Yeah. Not a nice lady. Just leave it at that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, so, uh, that's what religion does.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, we d- all kinds of all kinds of theories of. Yeah. <laughs> Of psychology and depression and things having it all wrapped up in that. It's amazing. Which <laughs> I was stuff Freud was doing. I think I think um, Freud got a whole lot right. The trouble is it was before you could really apply the scientific method, so it was all analog.
0: hmm He
1: got a lot he got a lot wrong, but he got an impressive amount right. Um, you just have to take it, you know, as analog. Analogy. Mm-hmm. There isn't, there isn't actually a little guy called the id sitting on your shoulder saying, do it, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, this is, man, I really don't want to leave it on a a downer like this. Uh, (laughs) We are about out of time. Um, Fuck, we gotta, gotta turn this around real quick. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So back to the, uh, you know, atheists do have it good. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
1: Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I think I, I I think it it pays to deal with the world as it is. Mm-hmm. The world's a better place, and 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 we are better for it. Uh, and I'm I'm all about getting it right. I would rather live in a reality based world than a whole
2: bunch of fairy tales.
1: Yeah, when I mentioned my uncle was a psychiatrist. One of the things you know, a piece of advice when I was growing up was that if you can see the world as it actually is and deal with it on that level. You're, you know, what is neurosis, but, but having some mismatch between your map of the world and the way it really is. And so, you know, those of us Mm -hmm. who work hard to get the map, right. And then act on it, you know, based on the real roadmap and that'll get us where we, where we want to go.
0: Yeah. And, And when that doesn't quite work out, uh, Fortunately, there are psychiatrists with really awesome drugs. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Living a hundred years ago with depression would have really sucked compared to now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were, well, you know, you get people like Abraham Lincoln who did so much for us. He did it depressed, you know, Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. all those things. The antidepressants were invented after World War II. All you had before then was, you know, opium and alcohol.
0: Yeah, and Churchill, they actually scheduled uh, World War II planning sessions around his mood swings. Wow,
1: I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, which was really rough on his staff because that would usually mean working straight through for 72 hours.
1: Oh, wow, that almost sounds bipolar, you know. Uh,
0: The biography I I read in, in college suggested that he was bipolar.
1: Uh, yeah, that would, that, that's the kind of thing that, uh, it, <laughs> it, the,
0: the general cycles, <laughs> they'd have a good week where uh, they could actually get some work done and then everybody would leave him alone for a week while they actually executed it and he slept.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, I will tell you, you know, a bipolar disorder could look like depression It look just like depression. As a matter of fact, it can fool professionals. Uh, but it's a different animal. It really is. Some people get manicky. Treated differently, biologically something different going on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, It's a whole different animal.
0: Well, I I would just, I would suspect if all you're doing is trying to boost somebody's mood and they're going into a manic phase, that's not going to mix well.
1: (laughs) Right, right. The traditional antidepressants just speed up the cycling. They don't actually, people, their their moods flake out. You can't predict what's going to happen next oh so yeah and, and if a person you know people can have had bipolar disorder but never showed anything but depression and even the professionals will put them on an antidepressant and then wonder why it doesn't work or oh gosh they just took off like a skyrocket what happened there you know? <laughs> <laughs> <And> so, whoops <laughs> come back you know we got you we got a different medicine for you, you know?
0: <laughs> oh man well until we have like brain scans or or some kind of a chemical oh, test
1: my my life's goal is to invent the electropsychogram you know hook you put you in the machine have it make some you know noise that goes ping or something and and read it and say oh yeah here you go there's there it is right there you can see that little squiggle that means mm-hmm. you've got bipolar disorder yeah um i haven't done it yet i'll i'll get around to it someday <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think there there might actually be a chance with where uh, like fMRI and some of that imaging is going.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it, it, that is that is true, and and some lab tests. Um, mm-hmm. They're looking at they're looking at doing some genetic analyses, and they're really there are starting to be. I think it's. Oh about ten years ago they're starting to talk about okay, if you have this allele to that res you know that dopamine receptor or norepinephrine receptor that you're gonna do much better on this drug as opposed to that drug um it either it's gotten stuck somewhere between you know the bench scientists doing the the studies and uh actual you know people coming into the doctor's office and getting that same test and, yeah. and getting on the medicine but they're working it's starting to happen
0: from from what I've seen it's the uh Science is a little bit too weak to get insurance to pay for it.
1: There you go. And same, some of the, well, the fMRIs are just, they're, they're, the science is, is, uh, it's too, it's too hard to actually get the scans. You can't Mm -hmm. run everyone through the, you know, through them, um, spec studies. There's, well, there's a doctor here in Tacoma, uh, doing spec studies and treating people and the, um, it, yes, it is, it is science, He's probably stretching it a little far. I, I'm. I um, i, I do not want to go into it too much, but yeah, there are doctors out there, and and I I, I believe some of what he's doing is probably legit, but the science
0: mm-hmm.
1: prov- proving it is not quite there yet so people yeah. pay other people pay out of pocket for it you know to get these get these scans and things um it's it, give it enough time and and uh, it'll get there it, it yeah well it does get there eventually well, for a while when i when i first got into medical school there's a test we could do to to um see if somebody had biological depression that would be uh, amenable to treatment with the Standard antidepressants, and all well and good, except it was neither sensitive nor specific enough. There are too many false negatives oh. and positives in the test, so it was almost you might as well flip a coin, you know, whether it was whether it actually told you what you needed to know or not. Um, yeah, so it, it stopped being done pretty quickly, you know. But, but but bit by bit we're we got we got some. We got some techniques we didn't have back in the day. We're working, we're yeah. working on it. Well, and the meds are a lot better, man. Yeah. The side effects are so much better.
0: And if you look at the, say, the the turn of the the last century, there was three or four different competing schools of thought on how medicine should work. One finally won out as the science finally caught up with people's ideas, and right. that's where we got medicine this next generation of medicine or maybe it'd be the third or fourth generation whatever we want to call it uh it's going to take time for the science to in the data to actually catch up with these ideas and find out what actually works and then it's going to take some time to get it to the point where it's actually cheap enough to do for people
1: exactly i'm, I'm looking forward to the the what they call Affymetrix, a company that does genetic things where they can just run it looks like in the very near future they're gonna be able to run massive amounts of if it has anything to do with DNA, they'll be able to tell it in, in vast I mean, vast numbers of studies, labs all at once for nothing, mm-hmm. very little money with with it just basically if you that piece of DNA floating around in your system somewhere, whether it's from you or some bacteria or something, uh, it will know it. You know, awesome. it's pretty cool on the cheap and it's done with like micro lithography, like doing uh, computer chips, and the, <laughs> the DNA, you get the right DNA thing and it, it completes a, a circuit lights up. It's like they can do 10,000 different things at once.
0: Oh, where, where I think it's all going to be going here pretty soon is you need to do blood work. Okay. Drop a, uh, drop a blood from a finger stick onto a sensor that's on a, a mobile phone and, uh, need some body imaging. Just do it from the, the the mobile device or something built into the wall in the doctor's office.
1: Yeah, that's called a tricorder.
0: It will um, happen.
1: They've been... <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> we are very close. It won't look quite like the ones in Star Trek because there actually will be physical contact required on a lot of it. But we are getting close. And uh, it's going to put a lot of labs and, and uh, imaging companies out of business. <laughs> I
2: believe they've been having an X-Prize for a tricorder-like device for the last 10, 15 years, and they're actually getting some really good entries.
1: hmm Huh. I bet, you know, at one point, there was talk of doing a... An EEG scan, except instead of you have to get right up on the scalp to read the brain waves. but if you do it with magnetic waves, it can be done from much more distance. Hmm. And it was kind of spooky stuff. I think certain three-letter agencies might have been interested in some of that, but I never yeah. did hear what, what happened with it. <laughs>
0: wow, yeah, uh, real a lot of it for me. I just hope that the regulations can actually keep up with the technology, because there's only so much you actually want people without a medical license to have access to yeah yeah and
1: and and, and, and or make sure it, it as things get proven safe that it be able to get to the more over-the-counter market yeah. you know yeah um yeah. well the fda manages that by just slowing everything down mm-hmm. you know
0: <laughs> oh yeah so if the tech is 20 years away then the fda will make it 40 yeah,
1: yeah. there's a there is something uh, called transcranial Magnetic stimulation, where they literally will will put this the super magnet up against your head, is like is a little like electroconvulsive therapy, where they zap mm-hmm. you with electricity, and you have a seizure, and it cures your depression or treats it, and uh, except it does it with with magnetism it doesn't induce a seizure but it's as far as far as we know the same idea except it doesn't zap your whole brain you can kind of pick the spot you want to do and it it was a it was when i was in residency in the late 1980s they were like oh yeah this is this is coming it's hot everyone's looking at it it's great and it was 20, 2007 or eight before it was 20 years after that, before it ever got approved. Damn. Yeah. And it's real expensive. <laughs> the meds are so much cheaper, you know, Walmart will get you a prescription of Prozac for four bucks a month.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you have? Uh, do you have anything to plug?
1: Well, no, actually I don't have a book that I just wrote. Um, no, I'm 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 just I'm just here to to talk about mental health and atheism and hope I can be a help to people.
0: Okay. We are out of time. Uh, actually a bit over the, the normal time frame. So thank you very much for joining us.
2: Definitely Thank you. I enjoyed. It was definitely awesome meeting you in person
0: down there in
1: Tacoma too. Yes, it was. Hey come back anytime. Maybe I can go visit you guys
0: Sweet. as well. Uh Wesley'll be easier for you to visit. He's in Bremerton.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm a voice
0: <laughs> uh, you know, the, there's some really nice breweries up in Paulsbow. We can, you know, have a, a binge drinking session. <laughs> and with some of those breweries, it's one beer would be counted as a binge.
2: It's just about. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I'll, I'll, I'll walk you over and show you the good diligence.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh-huh. yeah. 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 And, uh, I mm-hmm. also do want to remind all of you, uh, if you have any money to spare, go to GoFundMe. The link is in the show notes to help out Jolene um, so her parents can actually pay for the treatments to take care of this little girl's eye cancer. Because that's, that's just really shitty. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, everything would help so that they can actually pay the bills. In four days' time, they've already raised $1,742. Um, I would definitely like to see this number go way up. And it'd mean a lot to them and us as well if you do. Hey, if you
2: if you, uh, if you you donate a, a good chunk of money to them, please let us know. If you mm-hmm. donate any, let us know. I'll give you a shout-out. To- yes, definitely.
0: Uh, send us a <laughs> screenshot from uh, GoFundMe and, and we will give you quite the shout-out. Or just an email saying you did. Yeah. Uh, we could also try a Scathing Atheist-style uh, challenge on that promising to uh see theirs was insulting anybody you want um oh. i don't know if that's quite our forte but uh i could probably do that
1: <laughs> you got somebody in mind
2: <laughs> i i can do just about anybody but christopher hitchens he's yeah
1: oh i can do hitchens we can <laughs> do everyone then <laughs> here we go uh <laughs> I I would
2: love to go after Mother Teresa, just saying.
0: All right. Anyway, if you have a special request of us uh, and you donate money to help out Jolene, you can go ahead and email that request to us. And uh, if not, just let us know that you donated, and uh, we will uh, give you a shout-out on the show um, with our our thanks. And, uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you for having me on.
0: And for our listeners, we'll be Oh, good. If you'd like to donate to the
2: show and have me, uh, you know, do the show nude, you know, just you, know, you have to donate at least two hundred dollars, <laughs> and I will do that. Likewise, uh, if you would like me to not do the show nude, yeah, that's, that's... Uh, again. <laughs> I'm
0: in for that one hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if it's a hundred dollars for Wesley to be nude, um, anybody who matches hey, a, that, and by matches I mean. will be enough to match it. I will happen to lose the video. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. We'll be back next week with news. Thank you for listening to another episode of Atheist Nomads. You can find show notes and contact information at AtheistNomads.com. Follow us on Twitter at atheistnomads And like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Atheist Please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcaster of choice. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a review. The music is courtesy of Sturdy Fred. Until next time, this has been The Atheist Nomads.